Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to take a little side beginner message before we get into the main message tonight. So you can leave it in the recording, Steve, because um, I believe it'll be a help for us. You know, this morning, Pastor got up and talked uh, before he, his message, after, after uh, offering, he got up and talked about the helps ministry and, and began to exhort. And, uh, you know, the, thank God for pastors because they're here to, what, what does a shepherd do? They guide. They give instruction. That's their job. Thankfully, pastor, and, and I trust I, I do a good job of that from time to time, but um, uh, thank God for good pastors who get up and say what needs to be said. And, um, you know, there are times when pastor, Pastor Angel, myself, Amy, Steve, need to bring a word that's quote-unquote challenging at times. And, and, and anybody ever had your toes stepped on before? Anybody ever been there before? Somebody didn't raise your hand. You need to meet Jesus because if you, if you don't really know him, once you know him, you know he's going to step on your toes a little bit because, that, because he loves you. Because he, he, he believes more in you than you believe in yourself. He sees more in you than you see in yourself. And so he's going to step on those areas and prod those areas and prune those areas, you know, that, that need some attention. But, you know, sometimes uh, topics come up that are a little challenging. And, and uh, um, you know, we, as a church, we can help one another. I know Sunday nights, are our, our core group on Sunday nights are here on, on, the, on the evening service. And um, uh, I, was, I was thinking this morning as pastor was talking, you know, I know it can be challenging. And sometimes people don't like to hear that kind of stuff. And I say sometimes because I'm being generous. Every time there is somebody who doesn't like to hear that stuff. I wish that, I wish we could have a camera up here. We've got cameras, you know, for filming service. I wish we could have a, a crowd cam. That was, that was only visible to the congregation, not on YouTube because we don't want to scare people, but, but just visible to the, the congregation. I call it the crowd cam. Maybe just slowly zoom across the crowd. And, and uh, I, we've had different ones who ministered, say, on Wednesday night. Deborah recently ministered. And, and often Iris, different ones that have ministered. And, and a lot of times they'll say, wow, I had no idea. If you can only see the faces that sometimes we see. And when you talk about something like that, stuff like that, there are, there are people, there will always be somebody who doesn't like what's being said. And let's be honest, we've all been there. You've probably not liked something. I know I've not liked stuff. I've said stuff that I didn't like. So <laughs> we've all been in that boat, right? But you can look out and, 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 and especially something like that. Now, we've got a, a good number of people who serve and are part of the ministry here at the church. But then we also have a number that aren't. Anytime you talk about stuff like that, people get uncomfortable. And, and we've heard people make comments before about like, feeling like they're being pushed to do something. And how many realize that's not pushing, that's not harassment? We have to recognize what those things are, recognize them for what they are. And it's not just pastor getting on a soapbox, right? And just wanting to just, just tell people what he thinks. You know what that is? That is called mercy, M-E-R-C-Y, that is mercy. And uh, I don't know if you can tell, when you have those times, you can feel, for lack of a better word, you can feel the temperature of the room get cold. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you can, if you're perceptive, you can feel almost just a, hey, I don't, I don't like that. 
But you know, that's called mercy and, and we need to need to know how to respond with mercy. You know, as he was talking this morning, I thought, you know, I know there are people who don't like this. And of course I've grown up my whole life seeing this stuff. And, and I've sat through a lot of cold services where stuff gets said and it gets chilly in the room, you know, and, and, uh, because we don't, we don't have a church. I would call We don't have an itchy ear church. And that's something we ought to be thankful for, not having the church of the itchy ear. Thankful that's not our name. It's Impact Family Church and not Itchy Ear Church. Because itchy ear churches, there's a lot of them. And really, there's more itchy ear churches probably around than are either, than, than that are not. And as a pastor, you, you, you recognize that. And you don't want to just rub people the wrong way, but you have to, you have to respond to the Spirit of God. And when he's wanting to extend mercy... You've got to extend mercy even if people think it's pushing. You've got to extend mercy even if people feel like it's put, if, it's, if it's harassment. Mercy is good, but mercy is not always recognized for what it is. And we don't have a church where we just tell people what they want to hear. When Churches that just tell people what they want to hear don't grow. Now, they may grow in number, but how I many know number doesn't mean everything? If they're, if they're, if they're not... If mercy's not being extended and they're not hearing things they need to hear, they're not going to develop into who God's called them to be. First of all, as sons and daughters of God, they'll never be who they're supposed to be. And as uh, partners with God, they'll never be who they're supposed to be. And so these things have got to be, have got to be brought up, but we've got to recognize it for what it is. It's the mercy of God. As pastor was talking this morning, I thought, I know, I know he's up there. And because you, you could tell there's some people who like it and there's probably some people who don't like it. You know, I know a lot of times, let me just say this. Sometimes people feel condemned like I'm not doing enough. I've been there before where I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. You know, the reality is you can never do enough for what he did for us. We can always do more. You know, if we have an attitude where we're looking to always be a blessing and find another way to be a blessing, and yet we don't do it out of condemnation, but we do it in response to what God has done for us, you'll never get burnt out. Right? And when that's the heart of a church, stuff gets done. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and that local body gets taken care of because people's hearts are right. And so I would say this, if you're busy, well, thank God for that because you're storing up treasure in heaven and that's a good thing. And God is honored by that. And God, as long as your heart is right, if you're doing it for the right reason, you know. Uh, but then there are other people who don't, who don't feel good about it. And as he was talking this morning, I thought, man... They may not want to hear, and, and I know also this, people would say, and we've had people do this, I'd rather go somewhere else that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. Well, that's your choice, but that's resisting mercy is what that is. But I thought this morning as he was talking, I thought, boy, you'd rather hear this today on August the 16th than you would rather hear this in front of the Lord Jesus Christ because you're going to hear it now or later and just because you're in here, you may not be listening, but when you stand before him, you'll be listening. Go through to Ephesians, the, uh, the fourth chapter. It's a little mini message before we get into the message. And really, you know, I'm not saying this because I have anybody in mind. I want people to be ready. I want the ministry. I want the work. of. I, 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 I'm thankful for what Jesus did to the point that I'm willing to do whatever I have to do. And let me say it this way. I'll do whatever I get to do. So that, I, so that the job can get done, but I also want to make sure that other people are able to do what they're called to do and to take their place as well. You notice in Ephesians, the fourth chapter in, in the seventh verse, it says to each one. How, who is each one? That's everybody. 
That means every person who's accepted the Lord Jesus has a part to play to each one. And that right there will, will set you free when you just take God at his word. When he says something, he knows what he's talking about. The giver of the gift knows who he gave his gifts to. And he said he gave them to each one. To each one, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. He led captivities, uh, you know, captivities captive. He gave gifts to men. Verse number 11, he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Notice it talk goes on to say till verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith, all, all come to the unity of the faith. See, God does not have stepkids or unwanted kids. They're all his kids and they all have equal setting and equal place in the family, right? And he doesn't want anybody to get left behind. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That right there tells me that there is more for us to do. Because we are not to the measure of the stature of Christ yet. We're not there yet. So we've got some work to do, right? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by, by the wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, into him who is the head Christ, from whom who the whole body goes back to that every one again, that each one, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint, each one, every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That scripture right there solidifies that every person's got a role to play. In any time, our pastor would encourage that us as a congregation to, to step up and, and, to, and to take on, not to take on more, but just to step into who God's called us to be, into the grace that he's given us. That is God's mercy in operation. That is God's mercy being expressed to us. But because people say, well, you know, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is ignorance. And when you stand before the Lord, he expects you to have known what that was and to have done those things. And he's going to ask us about it. He will ask each of us, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? When you accepted my sacrifice, what did you do with not just my, my, the forgiveness that I gave you, but the equipping that I gave you? What did you do with it? He's going to ask. And so when we hear these things, that's the grace of God in manifestation. So what do we do? We're members of one, with one another. How do we make this to where it's easier for people to receive that? Well, the first thing to do as each of us individually, be receptive in our own life. Our, 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 our first response ought to always be, what can I do? Does this apply to me? It should never be with this. I know who this applies to. We've been there before, right? You're like, here's something. Mm, yeah. You get them, pastor. I mean, you <laughs> <laughs> now y'all, y'all are too spiritual for that, but just me, I know my, my wife does it all the time. No, she doesn't. Uh, we've all been there before, right? Where you, you, you can, well, you have to resist that and first look at yourself. Right, is there something in my life that, that, I, that, is there something, Holy Spirit, is there something you trying, you're wanting to say to me right now? And then secondly, resist that temperature of the room, recognize mercy for what it is. Instead of feeling uncomfortable for people, be thankful for people. 
Because we're members of one another. We can be thankful for them, be thankful for ourselves for mercy, but then in faith, be thankful for them. There is something about, instead of just being uncomfortable with somebody, being grateful for somebody, instead of being, instead of kind of putting on your brakes because you know somebody, maybe the person next to you doesn't like that and like, this makes me uncomfortable, being grateful for it can help combat that and get through to them so God can minister to them. We need these things. We need what the Holy Spirit would interrupt the service and have to say. We need that. And our response is not just, uh, you know, just our serving is important, yes, but our response to what we hear is important. And how I respond can affect what somebody else is hearing. If I'm receiving in faith and gratitude what the Spirit of God is giving, yes, when it applies to me, but even when it applies to somebody else, because their success causes growth of the body, which causes my growth and helps me to develop. So, of course, I'm going to be grateful whenever there's mercy extended toward them because that's really mercy being extended towards me. Even if I'm doing everything right, that's mercy still coming my way because it's helping me be more effective. It's helping me become more like him. That's what I want to have, right? And so when these things come up, you know, don't let yourself, don't let, first don't let yourself, well, that's not me. I'm going to check out. Never check out. Because there may be something that applies to you, but at the same time, don't check out because the person who does need to hear it, you're checking out. You don't want to help them to resist what's being said. It's practical, but it's important. I think sometimes we forget how connected we are to one another. We're unaware of in our daily life just how much we're joined together. And what the Bible says is absolutely true. We are joined, not just joined, joined and knit together. I mean, there is an intertwining of all of our lives that is important that we recognize and we can help one another grow in these areas. Amen. So that's one encouraging on that. And, uh, uh, I believe that's a help to us. Amen. Did that really take like 15 minutes? Oh, dear Lord. Pastor's rubbing off on me. Praise God. Go with me to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I've been spending a lot of time of late, uh, in the book of Hebrews. Of course, pastor's been preaching on our confession and I don't know what the official title is. I guess I should have asked that when you started the series so I could be updating online what the official title is. So, uh, but he's been talking about confession, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. And I've spent a lot of time, been spending personally a lot of time reading, uh, in the book of Hebrews. And I'll tell you, man, the Hebrew, the book of Hebrews is amazing. All the Bible is good. And, and, and really whatever the Lord's talking to you about at the time, that's where you need to be. So the Lord's had me in the book of Hebrews a lot. And, um, you know, the Hebrews chapter 11 is, is uh, uh, I know when we were at Ramah, we sat in an entire class, an entire semester at Ramah just on this one chapter. And, and um, you know, as I'm reading through the book of Hebrews, I uh, got to Hebrews chapter 11, and I want us to read some things together, and we'll see how long we're, we're, uh, we're on, this, on this tonight. We're going to read Hebrews 1 through 6. This is out of the uh, New King James Bible. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. 
For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Scripture verse 6 that we all know very well, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not just unlikely or improbable, it is impossible to please God. That same word impossible is the same word he used in describing that God couldn't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. It's not possible. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm going to go ahead and read just verse 7. It's just good. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things yet not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now, this entire 11th chapter, really, it starts before this. Uh, starts and really begins back in the, uh, in the 10th chapter. But the entire 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews are all uh, recorded about individuals who sought after God, who pleased God through faith, and lived by faith. How I many know, what, what do the just live by? Faith. The just shall what? Live by faith. And so these are all individuals who live by faith, they did things by faith that uh, we have here in, in the uh, second verse that the elders obtained a good testimony. Well, how did they do it? They did it by faith. And so uh, the lives of these individuals that are written here are, are, are tremendous examples to us and, 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 and examples that get to be read for all eternity. We get to refer to. How many know we're also still writing uh, the, the 11th chapter of Hebrews? The names are still being added in, in heaven, but we have this recorded for our benefit. In, the, in Hebrews chapter 11 is an amazing chapter, and I just want to look at a few verses here. I'm not sure how long we'll take, but it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, not, of things not seen. I just want to look at it, the first few verses for just a minute. And, and before I do that, I want to, and this is interesting. The first person it talked about here, of course, we know the elders obtained a good, a good testimony. But verse 4 talks about Abel. Verse 5 talks about Enoch, and verse 7 talks about Noah. And I went ahead and read verse 7 because these three individuals obtained a good testimony, and they, were, they did it through faith, but they were motivated by three different things. It's interesting. And it's not what I'm going to talk about tonight, but I want to, I want to, I want to mention this. Abel obtained a good testimony. since he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift. He did it because he honored God. Your faith coupled with something will cause you to to take action, right? Abel had faith, but he added his honor to it. His faith and honor for God caused him to have a good testimony that he was righteous. It's interesting, now I take the offering on Sunday mornings, I said this morning that, that the grace of God, becoming more acquainted with it, progressively acquainted with it, directly tied to the area of finances, the first person listed in Hebrews chapter 11 who, that the Bible mentions as someone who obtained a good testimony that they, 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 they were known as being righteous right before God was somebody involving their finances, their resources that they had. They didn't have paper money. They didn't have a central bank at the time, but they did have resources. And he gave the best and the first, the first and the best of all that he had. It matters 
what you do with what you have. It matters. God, a, a, uh, Abel honored God with what he had, and his name is forever recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, and his blood still speaks today because he honored God in this area. The enemy wants us to not honor and to think it not as important. It, this right here tells me it's very important what we do in this area of our life. It's such an important thing. And I got to move on, but, but honoring God, Abel had faith, but he had an honor for God that caused him to step out on what he believed. Ooh. Cain, I remember Cain still heard God's voice. Cain even recognized who the voice was. Now, he wasn't hearing it for a good reason. It wasn't happy days he was hearing his voice, but he still knew the voice and knew who it was. So it means he had faith of some sort. He believed who God was. He believed in God. What did he lack? He lacked honor. He lacked honor. Because when it came opportune time for him to give of his resources, which is the first thing recorded that happened in the, in the Hebrews chapter 11, he decided not to do it. It matters what we do. It is an Abel kind of faith and it's a Cain kind of faith. One gets spoken of positively for eternity. One does not. Hmm. Let, let's be Abel faith people. Abel honor people. And not Cain faith, Cain honor. Amen? Then verse 5 talks about Enoch, that he was taken away. And we'll talk about Enoch more maybe in a minute if we get to it. But he was taken away and was not found. He's in an elite club of people. Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We'll look at this in a little bit if we get to it. But Abel was motivated by honor. Enoch was motivated by hunger. Hunger motivated Enoch to do something. We'll talk about Enoch more in a minute, but hunger motivated Enoch. And I had to read verse 7 about Noah because after this it gets on to verse 8, talks about Abraham. But in verse 7, you know, I was reading, you know, if you'll read the God, God's word with an open heart and expecting to hear something, the Lord will talk to you about all kinds of stuff. And in verse 7, we have Noah being divinely warned of things yet to come, moved with what? Godly fear. Noah had faith, but he also had something else. He had godly fear. Being warned of things not yet seen, he moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir, became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. I tell you what, living a life of honor, hunger, and godly fear is so very important. We can spend a lot of time on each one of those topics. We're not going to do it tonight. But I had to throw in verse 7 there, being moved with godly fear. But going back to verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, I've, I've, we've grown up in, I've grown up in a faith church. We've been in a faith church here for 40 years and proclaiming the, the truth of faith. And this scripture has been read many, 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 many times. 
And, um, you know, I just, I want to, like I said, I'll, I'll get to Enoch in a minute, but just this first scripture, faith is, the, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, when we were in Bible school, uh, I took a class, uh, Doug Jones, I taught a class when we were at Ramah uh, on the subject of faith, and it was a, an amazing class. So we spent three hours a week for, I don't know how many weeks a class is, it was a whole term, so it was, you know, half a year, half a school year, three hours a week for half a school year. For the first term of, of whatever year, he talked on the subject of faith. And, and um, you know, there, there are two different ways of looking at something and defining something. And he took it from a very basic standpoint. He said, what is faith? And, of course, we have Hebrews 11. 1. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, you know, sometimes we hear stuff like that, and that, can, that idea can kind of go over our head a little bit. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm not sure what that means. And so he broke it down just a little more simply to start off with. He said, faith is simply what you believe. It's kind of like asking you, what is a car? There's multiple definitions for what a car is, right? You can say a car is a means of transportation. But if somebody doesn't know what transportation is, you can break it down. A, a, a car is an assembly of parts. It's a machine. You can take it down to a more basic thing. And so a car is a is it is really what it is. It's a collection of items that forms a device, right? It's, it's a grouping. It's a mechanical device. And it's also part of its definition is what it does. It takes you somewhere. Well, faith is simply what you believe, but it's also the substance of the things that, are, that you hope for, the evidence of things that are not seen. It's what you believe in the base form, it's just simply your belief, but it's also its substance, Faith is real. Faith is not just what you believe. Faith takes up room, and it's a substance. We need to learn more about this. We need to have our eyes open to what faith really is and what living by faith actually means. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it's kind of like trying to define uh, you say you might, it's, the, it's, the subs, it's the evidence or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't see a substance, a thing, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So whenever somebody, when you're, when you're believing for something and you're in faith for something, you are walking and living in something of substance. And I say that because sometimes... I've been there myself. When you're believing for something, you're quote unquote in faith about something. You can lose track of what's actually happening. You're not just in this, just this ethereal world somewhere. You're actually using something of actual substance. You are doing something with something real and definable. It may not take up space in the natural, but it is a real thing. A good example of that is try to show me your mind. Now, you have a brain, that's, a, that's an organ in your head, that, that physical, but, but that's not your mind. Is, is your mind real? Is your mind real? Some of you are like, no, maybe yours isn't. I mean, you know, your, your mind is real. It's, it's a, it is something. It may not be natural. You may not be able to see it, but it's real, right? Your mind is real. Your thoughts, your, your emotions, who you are, that's, that's, not in, that's not a brain thing. That's part of your mind, your, 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 your soul. That's a very real thing, but you can't quantify it in the physical realm, but it's real. 
Living by faith, sometimes I think people struggle to live by faith because they're looking for something in the natural to hold on to. It's not something in the natural. It's not something that can be seen, but it is real. It's not something that you can see, but it is something that can be that you can grow in and develop in. It may not be something that you can hold in your hands, but it is something that will produce for you and can develop over time just like your mind can. So if you don't look at it the right way, if you don't approach it the right way, if you don't allow the Spirit of God to direct you in the right way of seeing it, you'll fall short of, of developing your faith and learning to live by faith. The just will live by faith. All of these individuals, what they did, they did it by faith, and that was by something that has substance, something that's real. This is actually really good tonight. This will help you. It has substance to it. It's the substance of things or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the cotton patch translation. And if anybody finds one of these in a used bookstore somewhere, please get me a copy. Amy will pay big money as a birthday present for this. So (laughs) cotton patch translation. I've written this and wrote this down in my Bible. And so I put it up here. It says here, Now, faith is betting your life on the unseen realities of God. Faith is, remember, faith is what you believe. It's the base definition of what you believe, but also what it does is also a definition of what it is, right? A car is is a mechanical device, but it's also transportation. Its function also describes who, what it, what it is. Faith is betting your life on, uh, on the unseen realities of God. They're not seen, but they're reality. You can't see them, but they're there. And it's betting your life on them. Steve said tonight, there's not a plan B. No, that, that's what faith is, not a plan B. I'm, I'm, putting, I'm all in. I'm going in. I'm, I'm, going, I'm, I'm betting everything I have. I'm, I'm pushing all, everything I've got. I'm all in on this, on unseen realities. That's what faith is. Whew, praise God. Faith is a substance. And it's this faith, this unseen realities, this betting your life on these unseen realities that may not take up physical space that, but are very much existing at this moment. It's those things, it's doing that, verse 2, that the elders obtained a good testimony. They didn't do, they had no extra benefit or help or, or, or anything that we don't have. In fact, we have much more than they do. And they are motivated by things they couldn't see. And by doing that, they obtained a good testimony. Listen, if the elders could do it, if Abel could do it, if Enoch could do it, if Noah could do it, if Abraham could do it, if Sarah could do it, if Moses could do it, The list go on and on and on and on. If they could do it, you can do it too. If they could do it, if they could obtain a good testimony by living by faith, the unseen realities, bless God, you have the same potential. In fact, you've got greater because you have a better covenant based upon better promises with better provision from our heavenly father. You can do it as well. But faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. Remember Thomas? He did not say, I could not believe. He said, I will not believe. Right? 
He said, I, he didn't say I could not. He said, I will not. It's a choice. Cain made the choice to not live by faith and not honor God, not take God at his word. Abel made the choice to do it. Amen. We can make the same thing, make the same decision, the decision of Abel, not Cain. Hebrews, the third chapter, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Once again, it's the evidence or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He says that by faith, we understand, you know, this is a two-sided statement. You can say it this way. We understand by faith, this substance, the worlds were framed by the word of God. We understand that God did it through the substance of faith, right? You can also say it another way. We understand by faith. Without faith, you can't understand. This unseen reality being the basis of what you believe is how we understand things. You know, at some point we resist the climate of this world and the beliefs and the mindset of this world the worlds were framed by the word of God. It was not the goo to the zoo to you. That's not how it worked. They were framed by the word of God. When I say the goo to the zoo to you, you know what I'm talking about, right? The theory of evolution. It's a theory because nobody can prove it. It's called faith. You do realize that is faith. When there is no evidence, they have no proof other than a theory. That's called faith. That's the faith of this world. We have to really be careful that we not let any area of our life be infected by another kind of faith than the faith of God. Our faith has substance, but there's also substance to the other kind of faith as well. And it'll produce something in your life, if you allow it, that is not according to the will of God, and it will cause you loss in life. But it says, by faith we understand that the worlds were, fra- the worlds were framed by the word of God, So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. The worlds were framed by the words of God. Pastor's been talking about confession. It's such an important thing. And we spend a lot of time on this. We won't do it, but our words are important. Amen? And just for a few minutes, I've been up for quite a while now, 35 minutes already. Hebrews chapter, I'm going to look at Enoch for just a minute. Hebrews chapter 11, the fifth verse. Now I'm going to read verse 5 and 6 together because they're tied together, but I want to look at them. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, these two verses explain to us how Enoch did it, how Enoch did what he did. And how he pleased God to the point that he was taken. Now, I was looking at this earlier and, and just want to take a step back and just think for a minute about the, the time in which Enoch did this. This afternoon, I went in my office and I, and I wrote down genealogy. You know, you get down to Hebrew and Galate and Genesis, rather. Genesis, the fifth chapter, you have the genealogies that are there. Anybody know how long Adam lived? Anybody have any idea? Not as what? Well, that's good. 930 years. Adam lived 930 years. I wrote down the, the, the age at which each of these men were born. He had Adam, then he had Seth, Enosh, Canaan, uh, Mahalali. He must have been from Hawaii. Um, he, was, he was the first Hawaiian. Then he had Jared, 
Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and then Noah. And so those were, that was the genealogy listed from Adam to Noah. Of course, we know when Noah came, verse, verse number seven, seven at Noah's life changed the world. And it says of Noah also, if you read there about Noah, that Noah, and you read in Genesis, the fifth chapter, that Noah also walked with God. But Noah wasn't taken because God needed Noah to be there. He had an assignment for Noah. Well, it's so important that we, 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 we're satisfied with what God wants to do in our life. Had Noah wanted an Enoch experience, things would have been a little different. But Noah was willing to do what God asked him to do. But that's, that's a topic for another time. Adam lived 930 years. Seth was born when Adam was 120. When Seth was 105, Enosh was born. When Enosh was 90, Canaan was born. When Canaan was 70, I'm so glad these people are having kids when they're old. That is not happening these days, right? When, when, when Canaan was 70, the Hawaiian was born. When the Hawaiian was 65, Jared was born. When Jared was 162, dear Lord, please don't let this happen. Enoch was born. When Enoch was born, or when Enoch was 70 or 65, Methuselah was born. When Methuselah was 187, Lamech was born. When Lamech was born, uh, when, when Lamech was 182, Noah was born. Why in the world are you reading this? Noah was around for 930 years. Noah was alive when Enoch was alive. I mean, I mean, Adam was alive when Enoch was alive. That's say Noah was around. Adam was around for 930 years. Adam was still alive when Enoch gave birth to Methuselah or, or, or bore Methuselah. We think if we think if we read these sometimes, you know, because our, the way we live now, people aren't here but two or three, four max generations, and that's it. Enoch was, or, or Adam was still alive. Now we don't know about Eve, but she, you know, I'm sure Eve was alive as well. She was she was around as well. But imagine what had happened. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Everything was perfect. Everything was great. The world was not perfect because God said, here, here's the world. Go out and subdue it. So there were, there, remember in the, in the beginning that uh, the Lord hovered over, over the face of the deep and, and things were, were with void and without form. That means there was a state of chaos. God doesn't create anything in chaos. Their problems had broken out. Sin had gotten, this was the devil's, you know, we won't get into all this, but the devil was here first, Lucifer. And so things were in a mess. He told Adam, you subdue it. Here's this garden, everything you need's in it. You go out and you subdue it. But just don't eat of that tree. Well, it's like anything else. If you have everything, the one thing you can't have is the one thing human nature you're going to start going for, right? So they disobeyed God. Their kids were the first murderer, murderer and murdered in the human family, the human race. Quickly, things started to fall apart. They disobeyed God. Cain murders Abel. I mean, things were in a mess. But by the time Enoch rolls around, Adam's still alive. We have no examples or references of the Bible of God speaking or visiting with anybody. We have him talking to Cain. Listen, sin waits for you at the door. That is the only person we have between Adam being driven out of the garden, Adam being driven out of the garden, Cain being warned and not heeding it, the very next time we have any reference of somebody walking with God was Enoch. 
And it was just a few years after that, because when Enoch was 65, Methuselah was born. And then you have Lamech, and then Noah was next. We know with Noah, it's just Noah's family that made it out alive. Enoch, or Methuselah, lived 969 years. Methuselah hadn't been dead very long before the flood came. What's my point? In a very short, of time, short amount of time, relatively speaking, as far as in family genealogy, now people were, human race was expanding at a quick pace. But in a very short of time, you had perfection, and then God had to destroy everything except for one family. I just would say this, the world was a mess. And you have no example of anybody hearing from God or having fellowship with God or talking to God or having a relationship with God or walking with, that's what walking with God means, having a relationship with God. Not one example of this in the Bible until, not even after Adam and Eve left, you have no example of them ever spending time with God, fellowshipping with God. What a bummer. Right? I mean, that's all they knew in the beginning. In the cool of the day, the creator of the universe would come spend time with them. They get driven out. There's no, there's no more reference to that again. Only one time God spoke to Cain and warned him, and he ignored it. Remember I said earlier in the beginning that Abel was motivated by honor. Cain, I mean, uh, Enoch was motivated by hunger. And Noah was motivated by what? Godly fear. Three vital aspects of our faith. Three vital aspects of the substance of faith. This thing that has reality, but you can't necessarily see it. Enoch was motivated by hunger. And I'm just saying this tonight because it helps me for perspective's sake and to encourage my faith my trust in the unseen realities of God, right? Even though I don't see things, in fact, I see something else, to know that God will respond to my faith, my, the substance of my faith. Enoch did not have an example of God meeting with anybody. He just had stories. In fact, he had stories of Adam and Eve, and they were still alive, And he was a direct descendant. I'm sure he went over to their house for Sunday lunch and heard the stories of them walking in the garden. And he heard the stories, heard the stories, heard the stories, heard the stories. Now, a lot of time has gone on. Adam lived for 930 years, so somewhere in the 800 zone somewhere. Enoch's hanging out with Adam, hearing these stories. How many know everybody else heard those stories as well? Enoch was the only person who heard the stories. They all heard the stories. It was folklore. Way back when, when, when your grandma and I, before she ate us out of house and home, you know, but, but way back when, right, before, before that old, you know, that woman that God gave me, before she did it, I mean, you know, ladies, it was not on you, it was on Adam. Eve was deceived. Adam made a decision. Wah, wah, wah. But they're hearing these stories. What was different now, now, Abel received a good testimony because he honored God. Abel or, or Enoch received a good testimony. He did something different. He hungered for God. He heard a story, and he wasn't satisfied with the story. He wanted his own encounter. What's your point? My point is, your faith has substance, and through it, you can obtain a good testimony. What's going to motivate you? What's going to motivate you? Honor should motivate us. 
I would say this. If we can add all of them together, if we can honor, hunger, and live in godly fear, we're going to do just fine. Right? But Enoch had a hunger for God. What does that look like? Enoch one day got tired of hearing everybody else, or Adam and Eve talking, because nobody else had a story that we know of. Just Adam and Eve. And it says here in, in, the, in the sixth verse, in, the, in verse number six, let me find it again. Yeah, it says, uh, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Abel believed God, that God was. Cain believed that God was. He is. He believed that. All of these people believe it. They believe what Adam and Eve had to say. Having a believing that he is is not enough. I said believing that he is is not enough. That's Abel. I mean, that's Cain faith. Right? Enoch believed that he was all, not just that he is, that he was also what? A rewarder. He was a rewarder. So I'm sure Enoch got tired of hearing everybody else talk about this stuff. And Enoch didn't really care what he looked like. Or who his dad was. He didn't care that he came from the, from the, from the Hawaiian. He didn't care less. He could care less. He didn't know that his name was going to be recorded. He had no idea. None of this existed. He didn't have, he didn't have the creation story. He didn't have all of the stuff that we, he didn't have any of that stuff. He didn't have the blood of Jesus shed for him. He just had a hunger for God. And he said, you know what? Not only do I believe that he is, I'm making a decision to also believe that he's a what? He's a rewarder. A, 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 ver, a, a translation of, uh, of the sixth verse, Hebrews chapter six, it's the Amplified. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. The Message Bible said, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And Why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and, and I love this, that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. He cares enough to respond. Not just believe that he's there, but that he cares enough to respond. The Bible in basic English, and without faith, it's, it's impossible to plead, to be well-pleasing to him, for it is necessary for anyone who comes to God to have the belief that God is and that he is a rewarder of all, 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 all those who make a serious search for him. Enoch was motivated by hunger and it caused him. Now, it doesn't say about, about Abel that he believed God was a rewarder, but there must have been that in him because he, he, it caused him to do something. But it says specifically, Enoch, that he believed God was also a rewarder. So what does that look like? Enoch got tired of, tired of hearing everybody else's stories. So Enoch goes, remember, you've got to diligently see, you've got to make a serious search for him. You've got to believe that he cares enough to respond. No example of this happening anywhere, talking to anybody else. That was something that happened 800 years ago to my grandparents, my great, 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 great grandparents. And nobody else has talked about a personal story since. He decides one day, you know what? I believe God is. But you know what? I'm not, everybody else does too. But I also believe God's a rewarder. He goes out into the field and says, God, did he feel anything? Did he see anything? Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you can't see. Was there, did he, was there a special wind that day that blew? Probably not. He walked out and he said, you know, God, I believe you're there. 
And he just started talking to him. He just, he, he made a point to make some time. I believe you're there and I believe you're a warder. I believe you care enough to respond to me. He just went out and started talking to him. Go, go to Genesis, go to Genesis chapter five. I want you to look at this. Now we'll, we'll stop here in just a minute. Is this all right? Genesis, the fifth chapter. There's something in our culture that is an instant gratification kind of a thing. And I am just as much guilty as being an instant gratification kind of guy as anybody else. Right? I mean, Amy and I, we're, 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 we went to, to Target the other day. And they, and they had a Starbucks and Target. Ooh, hallelujah. That's the best Targets, right? So I'm going to go find what I need to find. Amy's going to get a coffee. Get me a coffee and a lemon loaf, which she forgot. I was blessed by that. She showed her, here's your coffee. I said, where's my lemon loaf? Oh, yeah. But I still love her. But anyway, so I'm out hunting for my stuff, and I find my stuff, and had to go look for something else. And I'm all done. I'm thinking, man, where's Amy at? So I walk up near the front. She's still in line. So I call her, what are you doing? She says, well, they're just being slow. You realize this affects every part of how we do things. You, are, we, you, you could be, and I could be tempted, and I've done it as well. Get in line somewhere, and it takes more than about 30 seconds to get to the counter, and I'll just go somewhere else. Anybody know what I'm talking Is it just me? Am I the only person like that? I'm Michelle Green's hands back there. I know she's like that. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're all, some of y'all, none of y'all raise your hand. Y'all are all perfect. All right, praise God. We're dismissed. Amen. Y'all close your Bibles. We're done. No, no. We have that tendency. The problem is we pull that over into our search for God. We believe that God is, and he's a rewarder as long as he's quick. And when he ain't quick, he must not be that much into rewarding today. Because if he was really a rewarder, he'd be fast. That's not how it works. A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. Our, our puny, pathetic version of what, how long something takes doesn't mean a whole lot of nothing to God. Right? If, if, if your hunger can only last a few minutes... Don't expect to get fed. I'll say that again. If your hunger can't last but a few minutes, don't expect to be fed. If my desire for Starbucks was only three minutes long, I'd have not gotten Starbucks. Actually, my wife was the dedicated one. She stayed. Had she not been willing to wait that extra couple minutes, we'd have not had Starbucks that day. Sometimes we miss out because we are impatient And really, all that is, is we're trying to tell God how he needs to be who he is. Can we be real for a minute? We're trying to dictate to God how he needs to be God. For those listening online, I'm giving the what you talking about face right now. We've been around about this long. And we know about, because even as long as we've been around, we know about a third of what we think we know in that time, because half of that's a bunch of nonsense, right? So we've been around about this long, and we know about that much, and we're going to think, God, this is how you need to do it. Now you're no longer betting your life on the unseen realities. You're betting your life on what you can see, which ain't much. God does not respond to that kind of faith. That is a faith. It's just not the God kind of faith. He didn't respond to that. He's not pleased by that. 
It says here in Genesis, the sixth chapter, talking about, let me find it. I've got to start here in the 20, 22nd verse. After that, he begat Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Get this, Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God 300 years. I'm using a booming voice. 300 years. Can, can, I, can I just submit to you tonight? Enoch's walk with God began the first night he walked out and said, God, I don't see anything. Nobody else has seen anything. I'm tired of hearing these stories, but I believe you are who you say you are. I believe who you are, who everybody said you are. I believe what Adam and Eve said, and I believe you're a rewarder. So I'm talking to you right now. His walk with God, his 300 years started on that day. He didn't sense a thing. He didn't sense a thing. Do you know what? God was so excited. In 800 years, somebody doesn't just believe that I am. Somebody now, they're making me happy. They actually believe I'm a rewarder. Here's the deal. Believing that he exists is one thing. James says even the demons do that. That's demon faith. That's demon quality faith. La di da. That's demon faith. Oh, I believe God. Oh, I believe God is. Woo, he is. Well, great. The demons are doing the back step to it. They believe it as well. They, they're missing something. They don't believe he's a rewarder. It's not just that he exists. It's a character issue. What did it say about Sarah that she judged him? What? That's another way of saying it, you're listening online. The answer is faithful. She judged him faithful. That's another way of saying he is a rewarder. That's saying the same thing. She strength to conceive and to bear a child, to carry it through, not just because she believed God was, she believed he was a rewarder. He was faithful. Enoch did this for 300 years. I'm sure the day started, the, day, the first day was pretty cold. He went out there and had a talk with God, and I, and I can almost guarantee you not a whole lot happened. Why would you say that, Pastor Greg? Because we've all been there. We've all been there. And it tells us that you've got to be diligent. The reality is if you really believe something, you're going to keep after it. If you believe there's actual something to it, you're going to keep doing it until, because you won't accept not having it. You're going to keep doing it no matter what it looks like. Whether you can see it or not, you're going to keep at it. That's, that, that is betting your life on an unseen. I'm going to keep doing it regardless because I believe it to be true and I believe God cares enough to respond. I'm going to finish in just a second. He did this, and then finally the came day, he sent something. He's like, ooh, ooh. I've been coming here talking to God, and now something's a little different right now. Something feels a little different. What's that? The presence of God started moving in. He got so good at doing this, eventually the day came where I how Brother Hagin used to say this. He was walking with God and was like, hey, you're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just come on home with me? You're further on this side than you are on that side. Why don't you just, why don't you just stay? They, he didn't see death. They couldn't find him. He was gone. What's your point tonight? My point tonight is faith is betting our life on the unseen reality. It is real. Our faith has substance. 
It's not just wishful thinking. It has, it is substance. The thing you're believing for, listen, you are doing something. When you are in faith, you are doing something that has reality and substance behind it. You may not be able to see it, but don't you turn loose of that thing because it's substance. It's real. It's there. It's producing. It's real. Don't give it up. Don't quit. Don't think, well, I can't see it. I can't. No, no, no. You don't need to see it. It's real. Just like your mind. You can't see it. It's real. It's real. It's there. But remember, God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder. Not just that he exists. He's a rewarder. Listen, if, we, if we'll approach God this way, there'll be a newfound fire in us to go after him. There'll be a newfound just determination to go after him. It'll be, it'll be even when pastor gets up and says the most cringy, uncomfortable thing we could say to, to, to tell, I say cringy, I mean, it's just to get our, get, just, whoo, that was uncomfortable pastor. Maybe cringy is a bad word. I don't know, but, but just uncomfortable, like topic. We're like, Ooh, God's a rewarder. And what he's saying right now may be uncomfortable to me, but there's, there, there, there's faith behind that. There's substance behind it. There's reality. There's mercy behind that. And I tell you, I'm not going to give up on it. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to take it because it's going to produce something in my life. Man, when that becomes our, how we do things in our personal life as in a church, you watch out. Watch out. The day came. Enoch just went on on to the other side. But more important than that, he obtained a good testimony with God. He pleased God. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.